Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. And what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks family. Welcome everybody once again. This is Brian Nemhauser. This is the Real Hawk Talk post-game reaction show after the Seattle Seahawks defeated the Philadelphia Eagles by a score of 17 to 9, which is apparently the only score by which the Seahawks are allowed to beat the Eagles this year. But we'll take whatever score they want to give us, uh, to be totally honest. Um, I believe this is the first time the Seahawks have advanced to the second round of the playoffs in four years. Is that right? Yeah, because they lost They lost to Dallas last year. They missed the playoffs the year before, and then the they year won. before that they beat Detroit, right? Correct. That was the last time they won, 2016 season. Okay. So I think it's three or four years ago. Feels good. Yeah, man. The Patriots are out, the Saints are out, and the Seahawks are still in. Yeah, and oddly enough, I'm sorry, Brian, totally stole your thunder yeah, for a second, for but steal away. I, I mean, I, I I was kind of talking to you guys, I think about this on Thursday while I was mildly intoxicated, but um, <laughs> the, it's been a hot minute since the Seahawks have had some playoff success. Like, you know, they didn't go two years ago. They lost in super painful patch, or fashion to the Cowboys last year. Everybody remembers that game. And then the year before that, they had beat the the Lions. But, you know, th- we were approaching three years. This would have been the third year of um, no playoff victories if they had if they had lost. But thankfully they did. And, yeah, I think there's a ton of things we can talk about that was gross and infuriating at times. There's a lot of things they did well, too. But at the end of the day, like purely as a fan, this win feels good. It really does. For the folks that are listening, uh, if we uh, we post later, that was uh, Evan Hill at Evan Hill SEA. Is that still your? Actually, Evan in SEA. We Evan... had to make a slight adjustment. 
due to yes. recent events. Yes. In, okay. In, at Evan <laughs> in I N S E A. Thanks for keeping me on my toes there, Evan. Um, on Twitter, and we've also you also heard the voice of Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Yeah, so so guys, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of fun stuff to cover in this game. And we had some differences of opinions about the game. So that'll be fun to talk about in a win, especially. Um, but I mean, the first thing I have to ask you guys, we talked about this a lot before the game. Is the season a success because they won a single playoff game? Is that the bar? Uh it completely depends on perspective, but I think for the quality of this roster and how they've looked this year, I think a playoff win makes this a successful season. Ideal. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being consistent with what you said before. So that, that's, that's good. How about, how about it, you, Jeff? Oh yeah. Go ahead, Evan. No. And I was just going to say, it's like, it's not a consistent thing for me year to year. Like what defines yeah. a successful season? Like if you had told me, you know, the 2014 Seahawks is a playoff win, a successful season. Of course not. Like this roster is depleted, injured, tons of positional holes, a um, lot of coaching critiques, and they're just decimated on the injury front. So I, I think a playoff win, even though it's against the Eagles, fuck it, it's a win. It goes down in, in Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll's um, win-loss record in the playoffs. So I'll take it. How about you, Jeff? Um, yeah, I kind of agree with Evan. And I think to me, the way I view the season is I've made a good point that really each year you have kind of different perspective based on context. And this year for me, it was kind of like, can the team really move forward from last year? And can the team put the game in the hands of their best player? Cause we saw them screw up that playoff game, not doing that. And today they made some dumb second down runs all day, but even that play call at the last play of the game, they put the ball in the hands of their best player and since the second half of that Philly game, it looks, I mean, the San Francisco game, we've seen Russell emerge, the guy that we saw earlier in the year where he can take over games. And to me, that's the thing that's going to carry this team in any direction, whether it's the, the ceiling of this team is based purely on Russell Wilson and that they let him do his thing. They only scored 17 points, which was definitely frustrating and a lot had to do with Fletcher Cox and dumb penalties and all kinds of things. But to me, what makes the six, season successful is really – are they ascending as a franchise? And if they're letting their best player win games for them, which it seems so simple, but they didn't last year. And they didn't in certain situations this year. So if Russ can keep playing like this, they can beat anyone. And as fucked up as the Seahawks are, that's true. We have to give a shout out to Ben. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Bagamary? He's donated three times in one and a half minutes each time he has donated three dollars times three and his comment is but what about dk metcalf's three cone drill <laughs> ben i applaud okay. you thank you for your support obviously dk metcalf had a huge night tonight i think his game of uh his rookie year do, do you guys know how many yards he had? yeah let's read it off here guys um i was looking at some other numbers as well so dk metcalf seven receptions in nine targets highly efficient 160 yards wow 22.9 yards per reception a touchdown and a 53 yard catch was his longest so huge huge game for dk metcalf and i gotta say guys let me read you russell wilson's line russell wilson was 18 of 30 
325 yards, almost 11 yards per throw, 10.8 yards per throw, one touchdown, no interceptions, was only sacked one time for a passer rating of 108.3. And I got to say, this was, for my money, this was this was only the third time in Russell's career that he's gone over 300 yards passing in the postseason. Hmm. The other two were at Carolina when they were down like 24 to nothing at halftime or whatever it was, or 31 to nothing, whatever. That's some crazy score, right? Um, and he had to pass. And the other one was at Atlanta in his rookie year when he had 385 yards passing when, again, they were down by a lot. They weren't down in this game. Russell was good from the jump. And I think had, I think arguably that was one of his best playoff games. I, I mean. I think that was his best playoff game. You think it was? Yeah. Given the offensive line injuries, how Fletcher Cox played, and the fact that he was just like that third and 15 run. He, he did so many cool things in this game. And they only scored 17 points, which is very frustrating. I see where Evan's coming from for sure in that front. But. I thought Russell was awesome. That's why I'm so encouraged right now. To me, that is their only chance of making a run, and they can score more points for sure. But I think that's – I don't – I can't think of a game where he played better. Carolina's a pretty good one. Yeah, like the one that they won. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at home. That, I think that might have been the best game he's played today, given all the context and what he was dealing with. Up until now, I would say his his playoff, his Super Bowl against the Patriots was my favorite Russell Wilson. That's what I was going to say. Postseason performance. Yeah, fair. Yeah, fair. That was awesome. Uh, speaking of records, somebody commented in the chat, PSP Dice, thank you for the $5 donation. He said, or she said, DK set the NFL record for most yards in a playoff game by a rookie. So that sounds, that sounds right. Yeah, um, and if it is, that's amazing. Regardless, yeah, I, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, that is the storyline. I asked a question yesterday on Twitter. I said, pick a player not named Quandre Diggs, Russell Wilson, or Jadavian Clowney, I think were the three I said that were off limits, that if they had a good game, it would make you feel confident the Seahawks could go on a run. You want to know the name that came up almost more than anybody else's? DK Metcalf. Mm. and he was awesome those people right now i mean everyone's pretty happy but those people have to be ecstatic because look you know he had six catches for 81 yards and a touchdown against the 49ers and they could not stop him at the end of that game he's now gone against two good defenses in a row and been pretty unstoppable he even had another play russell had pressure on him couldn't hit him he had another play down the sideline he was four yards behind the the db like he has had six catches or more in one, two, three, four, five, six out of the last nine games. I mean, he's he, and he's had over 80 yards and almost all, at least over 75 yards in a lot of those games. So he is coming on really, really strong. And it wasn't just his receiving. The guy was a blocking machine. Did you see him destroy that guy on David Moore's? He laid him out. It was amazing. He was a tank. Love it. Love it. So speaking on that, Josh just sent a note to our group from NFL Research. Uh, DK's 160 yards are the most by a rookie in a playoff game in the Super Bowl era. Wow. I mean, and I think this was his coming out party. I think most of the country has no idea who he is. They, yes, they heard about him during the combine. He definitely like blew up there. 
nobody has been following him throughout the year, other than maybe some fantasy football players that have gotten some good numbers from him. But for the most part, the national media, no one was talking about DK Metcalf before this game. Nobody. They are absolutely going to be talking about him after this game. And you better believe the Packers are like, you know, what are we going to do with this guy? It's a big deal. Like it's for them to go into that game. And if you're the Packers, are you more worried about Tyler Lockett or are you more worried about DK Metcalf? I want to say DK Metcalf right now, just because he seems to be Russell's like deep target home run threat of choice right now, just because he's so quick, obviously Lockett is fast too, but DK in a straight line can't get much faster. Well, I mean, isn't that the point, Jeff, even if it's a question, that's that, and I, I said it Wednesday. I said, you asked, what were the one thing I want to see? What was the one thing I saw from the San Francisco game that I thought could carry over? And I answered that with DK and, and Lockett. And today it was a lot more DK than Lockett, but I thought just something seemed to click with how they were using him and how comfortable they were going to him in big spots. And I thought that was something that could carry over. And I absolutely didn't expect he'd be arguably the best player on the field, non-quarterback, but he was a difference maker all game. In the first play of the game, they ran a nine-yard play to DK. He looked super comfortable. He wasn't nervous. Like A.J. Brown has put up better numbers than him yesterday. I think he had one catch for four yards. And it's just it's just very exciting. The Seahawks have a guy who can really be like a game-breaking player for this franchise, and they haven't really had that big, strong receiver Really, other than like Sidney Rice, who wasn't built as physically thick as this guy. but And these weren't easy plays. That catch he made for the touchdown, hmm. he was wide open. But that was not an easy catch, man. That was a full arm extension. And he managed to pull it in. He, that's the, the same play he could not pull in the first time. And, and he got smart enough to get up and run. That's, that's what I was going to say. The yeah. awareness coming out of college, knowing that in college, he's down. And in the NFL, he's not down unless he's touched. So pretty cool to see. Game ball. And you could say, like, the Seahawks haven't had – obviously, I think we're all in agreement he's a blue-chip talent, but he's been a year-one contributor more than any other rookie in recent history, maybe outside of Earl Thomas. I don't I – don't, maybe not even really – Tyler Lockett oh, had a pretty good rookie year. Tyler Lockett did, but he wasn't physically dominant like this guy is. No. No, I mean, it is, is different. I mean, let's go down the list guys about some of the performances that really stood out. DK is clearly the top of the list. Russell's right up there with them. Fantastic game for Russ. Before we move over to the other side of the ball, I thought David Moore had a pretty nice game. He only had two catches, two big, there were two big catches, right? I want to shout out two other guys before we talk about more George Fant and Jamarco Jones. I was so scared about that when you wrote you potty was out today and those guys were seamless out there. All their issues in protection were Fluker and Hunt and a Fetty jumping offside. Jamarco Jones needs to be a starting guard for this team. Every time he's played guard this year, he's been phenomenally comfortable in pass protection. Fans been fan had a really like crazy block on one of the outside runs to Homer earlier in the game. Um, I thought those two guys were seamless out there. And for that to happen is a huge deal. I think it's a great call. I mean, what did you, what did you guys think about the pass protection overall today? 
it seemed pretty good, actually. Russell seemed to have a pocket for most of the day. The only player I'll really shout out as being bad, and I hope you're not listening, but Joey Hunt is getting steamrolled, <laughs> what feels like every week. Uh, Ifedi and, and Fluker both had penalties. I think I saw something on the TV that, that said Ifedi like, leads the league in penalties or something like that for offensive players. So um, the left side played really well, but the right side – and Joey Hunt, I think, continue to be problems. Well, I'm looking. I'm looking right now at. I mean, you know what's weird though, Brian, yeah. is the pass pro looked good, but the run blocking looked Oof. really bad. Yeah. Like oh, they great. had, they had no push off the line, like nothing. And there were several plays where Travis Homer was caught like in the backfield. Do you remember when Fletcher Cox almost took the handoff? From I think it was Marshawn maybe who was getting the handoff. It was a play action, yeah. That was so bad. That was almost that was a turnover. So bad. They, yeah, they, it, they could not stop Cox all day. He destroyed them. I think he's the reason the game was so close. I, I agree. I agree. And the people are some of the people are going to say, "Hey, the Eagles lost uh, Brandon Graham for a while," which is true. But I'm looking over the last four weeks of the season, um, pass rush productivity uh, in PFF. And the Eagles' best pass rushers, by this measure at least, have been um, – let me just double-check. Uh, yeah, it's been – where did it go? Oh, uh, Derek Barnett, um, Vinnie Curry, uh, Josh Sweat. So, I mean, you get pretty far down the list of guys before you even get to Brandon Graham as who's been really effective of late. So, I mean, I think I think the, the, the Eagles have a very good pass rushing team. And the fact that Russell had a pretty good pocket almost all day is that was one of the biggest surprises to me. For sure. Um, <laughs> so that's a great call out, Jeff, of those two guys. We don't know if we're getting Dwayne Brown back next week. Um, if you don't, I mean, I think the, the Packers pass rush has been at least as good as the Eagles. They've got some guys that have been really effective. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. What I, I'm going all over the place, but I, it's hard for me to stay on topic here. How surprised were you guys that on third and 10, under two minutes to go, Eagles have one timeout remaining that the Seahawks pass the ball near their own goal line. How surprised were you by that? It's a good question. Um, I expected an inside run to Travis Homer. So I was definitely caught off guard, but you know what this play reminded me of? I don't remember which game it was earlier this year. It was a third down. It was in enemy territory. I don't know if it was the Bengals game. I don't know if it was first year, first game against the Rams. Remind, if you guys remember this play, let me know what it was. But it was third down. It was like third down and 10. And Russell, or Shadi called the pass from Russell to DK in the left corner. Do you that guys was remember Steelers that? Game. Oh, that was the yeah. Steelers game. Steelers game. That, for some reason, that play call reminded me of that play. Just putting your faith in Russell. I wish they had, you know, done it for three straight plays, but one is better than zero. So I'll take it. 
I was shocked, guys, because I I was fully expecting three runs to burn the timeouts, a punt, and then we were going to sit there and we were going to hold on for dear life against 40-year-old Josh McCown against our defense, and it was just going to be, like, terrible. It was just going to be horrible. I, I was shocked when they passed the ball there. And I got to give them credit because I just didn't expect it. And, and it, it, like you said, Evan, they put the, the ball in the hands of their best player, Jeff. But actually, Chris Collinsworth said before the snap, you know, hey, I'd give it to Russell Wilson. I'd trust him in this situation. I got to be honest. I don't know if I do trust him in that situation. He takes some weird sacks and makes some weird choices. It was great that not only did they make the call, but that Russ pulled it off. Yeah. I, I was yelling at the TV before that play, let Russ throw. And it was kind of a weird game because Shoddy did a lot of things I did like, and then he consistently did stuff I didn't like all game. We'll get into that a little later. So, like, it was kind of a weird mix where he, he was, like, was making all the throws on first down. And I'm like, okay, they understand their personnel. They're getting progressive. They're not trying to force it. But – that play, I, th- I thought you had to go for it. I thought you had to go for the win there, and I'm glad they did it. I just think the defense was running on fumes, even if it was Josh McCown. It was getting a little too close for comfort. I love the fact that they went for the win, but, yeah, oh, I was super surprised, especially the length of that deep pass. And when they threw that deep – and I, I saw Russell drop back and put that height on the ball. I My heart dropped, but – I'm glad they did. That's that's aggressive football. You can't whine about coaching every two minutes. They went for the win. Yeah, it, I, I want to thank Colin Lundstrom for his donation super chat. Really, really appreciate it. We're we're on our way to making our goal of twenty thousand dollars donated again this year to Ben's fund. So uh, really appreciate all the support you guys give. Um, adding a little bit to the DK Metcalf mystique. Um, so not only was it the most receiving yards by any rookie in playoff history, um, it was the fifth most receiving yards by any player in their playoff debut. The only guys that have had more yards in their first playoff game were Calvin Johnson, Demarius Thomas, Vernon Davis, and Raymond Berry. Those are like big names. Um, and yeah, go ahead, Evan. I wish Nathan was here to hear the Calvin Johnson company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. 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 Um, uh, just an amazing, amazing uh, performance by him. Can we switch over for a second and talk about the defense? Because the defense, it, it was really painful watching Josh McCown be good against them. I have to say, I thought the defense, generally speaking, played pretty well. Like they tackled, there weren't there weren't like terrible missed tackles. There was some pass rush. I thought that was the best Jadavian Clowney has looked since the 49ers game in terms of activity. He even got a sack. Um Quentin Jefferson had two sacks. The Seahawks had seven sacks, guys. And they should have had more. I am cautiously optimistic. <laughs> that's, that's, you have to be. I, yeah, there's the obvious disclaimer of it was Josh McCown. The Eagles have a completely decimated offense everywhere. Receivers, you know, tight ends, O-line, a lot of folks missing. But they did create some pressure. Uh, Clowney, I, I think, had his best game since the 49ers. 
um, in Santa Clara. I think Rasheen Green actually had a couple underrated pressures that were pivotal. Pivotal. Uh, Quinton Jefferson actually had a nice game. Um, Puna Ford is always doing the dirty work in the trenches. He's somebody I always appreciate. But yeah, Brian, I share your cautious, cautious optimism in you know going into Green Bay next week. Yeah. I would agree. I would say some things, there are some things I was super excited about and some things that whatever the opposite of that is, that's what I would say. Overall as a unit, I, I agree with both of you. I thought they were very encouraging. I thought their play against Wentz was pretty good before he got hurt. Clowney, especially to get Clowney back. You just see what a difference that guy makes. Jaron Reed, we had talked about him a lot in the chat. I, he was my answer Ooh. to the question you asked. If we Jim, need to call out Cody Barton. Yeah. I was going to bring up Cody. I'm sorry to jump in on this, oh, but Cody that's great, Barton. That's a great one. Cody Barton had a fucking day. I thought you he know, was like, awesome. Yeah. 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 This is the preseason hype that we were talking about. Remember was when so he was like steady. making Yeah, he was making like diving interceptions and everything. And then Michael Kendricks won the starting spot. And we were like, oh, that's expected, but we really wanted to see the youthful talent. Well, Cody Barton looks like he could be the starter at strong, you know, that same spot. For next year he he was impressive today yeah i agree well you know i would say i agree that cody barton played his best game that i will definitely say it's not saying thought, very much i thought it's not bar is pretty low um, <laughs> i i thought his tackling was solid today they weren't the missed tackles he had his first sack um don't know if you guys know that but he was given credit for a sack um he had a couple passes defensed i thought his coverage was decent I think we're going to find when you look at the tape, he was washed out on some run plays again. Like uh, he, he still struggles a little bit with, with being big enough in those moments, but yeah. Um, and kind of getting through the wash of, of all those defend uh, of all those uh, blockers, but it was encouraging for sure. Um, you know, I thought Ugo Amadi early on, had some nice plays, good coverage. Um, you know, last time they played here was Akeem King, you know, who I don't think any of us feel like has a lot of upside. So that was nice to see. Quentin Jefferson ends up with a couple sacks. Um, I thought KJ Wright played one of his best games of the season. He, I like Bobby today too. Yeah, I thought the linebackers in general, like, were active and effective. There were not a lot of missed tackles. Well, it's just nice to – Diggs didn't make a lot of flash plays. He wasn't – but it's nice not to just feel completely hopeless out there. And their second half wasn't great, let's be honest. McCallan was like nine for nine at one point. He was driving. But to not have Lionel Hill on the field, that I said that was as much as Diggs coming back was I was excited about. And they just didn't look utterly hopeless at any point. And to me, that's a big change, other than one uh, cornerback. But we'll get into him. A little later, but I agree. I thought Reed, Clowney, Jefferson, they were really solid all game. I like that they had kind of a package for Shaquem Griffin. And I thought they were more comfortable in using some nickel and dime defenses. Hugo Amadi played well in his limited reps. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Evan. And, and it's interesting. I mean, how many yards do you, do you guys think the Eagles ended up with? I don't know if you know, but if you don't, just guess. Total <laughs> offensive, I would say like just shy of 200. I'd say like 140. Like most of their plays came on PI. Really? I felt like they were moving the ball up and down. Uh, so I was surprised to see 280 yards, um, 280 oh, wow. yards that they had. They had I just thought those big PIs were like their whole game. Yeah, it was it was only 4.6 yards per play, though. 
um, which is, is great. I mean, from a defensive standpoint, now the obvious commentary here to make is you're playing 40 year old Josh McCown with no weapons. You should, you should do even better than they did. So I'm not blind to that, but look, I got to be honest, guys, you heard me pregame and earlier, like, I had very little confidence the Seahawks were going to win this game. Not because I thought the Eagles were better, but I just think the Seahawks defense can lose to anybody. I think they're really bad and they have been really bad and really suspect. And this was a game where even from the jump, even when Wentz was in, the defensive line was active. Coverage was good. The tackling was good. There was energy there that we haven't seen other than the 49ers and the first Eagles game. So it was nice to see. It was nice to see that, that the team, the defense at least had some life to them. And they won a game without creating a turnover. I don't believe they've done that all year. Uh, two updates just in real time since I'm reading the Pete Carroll notes. First of all, the Seahawks are locked in for next Sunday at Packers, obviously, 6.40 p.m. Eastern time. So we have the same evening slot. And second of all, Pete Carroll says there are – no major injuries or bang ups. The only thing coming out of this game is the onside with, with his stinger, but we'll find out more soon. So <laughs> we got to say the good and the bad on Ziggy. I mean, the good was I actually thought early on he was, he was affecting the game. He, he was playing next to Clowney on the inside and was creating some pressure. And then the bad, he got easily outrun by Josh McCown. <laughs> I mean, that was humiliating. Oof. I mean, yeah. how slow do you have to be for that to happen? And then you get injured on the play. That was, that was painful. That was so painful. If I was Josh him, would... I, think I, I think I'd retire after that. I think, yeah, I think yeah. I'd be done. There was just a lot of, like, Jaron Reed couldn't sack Josh McCown, and McCown was, like, ducking under him. I was actually impressed with McCown overall. But, like, there are some things in that game that were definitely alarming. Well, you know, what's going to be an interesting story. There's a bunch of storylines we're going to hear about. I don't really care about any of them, but at least it's worth calling out. Everyone's going to say, hey, they, they, they beat Josh McCown. Carson Wentz, if he had been in there, they, they would have won. Maybe, maybe. Carson Wentz left. He was one for four for three yards um, and it had been sacked. Josh McCown went 18 for 24 for 174 yards, 7.3 per pass that isn't exactly like screwing it up. I mean, he wasn't terrible out there. I certainly don't think he was like a huge threat, but I don't think you can point to the quarterback position and say, man, they really blew it in that game. Like, no, he was good. I thought he played pretty well. Once we played him, what, five quarters now? He's been terrible in all five. So I, I think that's a lazy excuse. So let's talk a little bit about the play calling, because this is something that we were we were going on back and forth about. And and I want to give first first, uh, you know, go at it to to Jeff here and then we'll go to Evan and I'll go last um, because I want to make sure you guys get as much time as you need to make your case um, about how you felt about the play calling for the Seahawks in this game. Okay, so. I said it kind of implied before there was a lot I liked and there was one area that drove me insane the entire game. And it was, I like that they pass more on first down 
and they weren't relying too much on Marshawn establishing the run, stuff like that. But almost every single drive of the game, they wasted a play on second down with an inside Travis Homer run. You can do it once, you can do it twice. I think they did it like seven or eight times. And they made it a lot harder on Russell. And throw the ball to him in the flat, throw a screen pass, do something. But running plays at Fletcher Cox against Joey Hunt was just infuriating. And it made things so much harder. And it's probably the biggest reason that this team only had 17 points because they kept taking plays away from their passing game, which was working pretty effectively. And it's okay if you do it a couple times, kind of set up things, establish the run, whatever. But they did it almost every single drive. And they had a couple times where Russ bailed them out and some penalties that made it harder. But to me, that was so infuriating. And that was my takeaway at halftime. And they kept doing it. And they didn't score a point in the third quarter. And I mean, the fourth quarter. And they just can't make those mistakes. They were running the ball right at their best player. And what did they finish with, like 1.8 yards per carry? Other than that Marshawn run and that Homer outside run, the running game was brutal. And they kept sticking with that second down run and they made things so much harder on their offense and I thought that was very frustrating by Sean Tyler yeah it wasn't that they ran the ball it was the way they ran the ball so let's start with some high level stats just to overview 17 carries for 19 yards Travis Homer went 11 carries for 12 yards 1.1 yards per carry Marshawn Lynch went six um six carries for seven yards 1.2 uh yards per carry and one touchdown. Russell Wilson was the best runner of the evening. He had nine carries for 45 yards and a five yard average. Um, I saw this posted on Twitter by Ben Baldwin, uh, EPA per play on early down the 18 rush attempts, almost a negative 0.5 EPA on dropbacks. It was 0.37. So a pretty significant difference on early downs, but what you were saying, Jeff is spot on. It's how they were running. It was running Travis Travis uh, Homer on the inside where, his, that, where he's not exceptionally skilled as a running back in the NFL. He's a player that needs space. I actually think he may have had a run that went for like, um, maybe it was a reception that went for eight or nine yards uh, left on, early on the left side early in the game. That was a run. That was a that run. Was a, okay. That was the missed field goal drive. Okay, got it. Yeah, so I, I think it just reaffirms my belief that Hey, running whatever, what did they choose to run? 18 times this game is fine, but they need to be smarter about how they do it. Travis Homer was getting like one yard, getting stuff behind the line of scrimmage behind Joey Hunt or in Fletcher Cox was absolutely like abusing him back behind there. So eh. I I guess my case is this, Brian. It's not that they ran, it's how they ran. And second of all- uh, We'll finish your thought, but I want you to sum up like, are you saying that you feel like the play calling was bad in this game for the Seahawks and the game plan was bad? Mm, I want to say, because I liked how much they passed and I thought they were aggressive on it early down, but the whole half of their offense was running the football and they did it really, really poorly, like really badly. 17 carries for 19 yards is not good. It's abysmal. So take that how you want. I think half their game plan you could throw in the trash. And Jeff, your summary on that? like My summary on that was overall their game plan was good. It was a 
I didn't like that they took so long to adjust. I think they wasted one play on almost every single drive. And to me, that's not good enough. They made they created too many third and longs in ways you didn't need to. Yeah, if you guys wouldn't mind like uh, uh, giving me the chance to go through a, a couple of these series, because I honestly yeah. don't answer this, but like, and I, and we have a nice donation in the super chat. We'll we'll get to that as soon as we're done with this conversation. But um, first series, second and one, they run the ball. Do either of you have a problem with a run on second and one? I mean, is that is that like no? A that's when play? you should run the football. Right, it's a no, first, I agree. Your first I would have probably put Marshawn in, but yeah, it's first drive, so yeah, you no, lose no, yardage. Didn't work out. Fine. Yeah. Next possession, second and eight. It's a pass. Uh, Russ scrambles. Um, second. What was and the 10. second possession? Huh? This is the missed field goal possession. Yeah. Uh, Next second, second down, second and 10. They rush Marsh on at the middle. He gets one yard. That's, Didn't work. There's one. Yeah. Right. So like definitely like bad, but I also feel like, okay, are they learning from that? Like you've run twice on second down in two series out of three second downs. So like, all right, next possession, um, second down, second and seven pass to Marshawn. Next second down, second and 11 pass. Next second down second and two and it's a run for no gain like not great but you know that's the point i was getting frustrated but again it's not the most crazy thing to run on second and two it's again it's not that they ran it's how they ran travis homer against fletcher cox on joey hunt you're if you watched homer last week outside runs were working all game and I'm that's looking back at that too. My recollection is that he had some pretty successful inside runs last week. It did, but Fletcher Cox versus Joey Hunt is a matchup you should try to avoid. Totally, totally. Especially in the run game. I'm not I'm not arguing about that. That's just my issue. I think it's just bad strategy. I, I get that. And I guess I'm just looking at it here. Like the implication I got was hey, they're just being pig-headed about running the ball on second down over and over again. And if I go through this so far, I'm not seeing that. They get to their next possession. Second and two, another second and short. This time they pass. Pass the Tyler Lockett for 13 yards. Um, second and eight, pass. Second and 18, pass. Second and 19. Hold on, but um, there was like a first and 20 run in there somewhere in like a – Right, right. There's just but all these weird ones. I guess I'm just saying I'm not seeing the pattern that you guys are in terms of – like it seems to me that they ran early on second and short, learned that it wasn't working, and pretty much went away from it the rest of the time. Okay, let, let me chart. We'll talk Wednesday because I felt that was very consistent. Yeah, I, I I would be interested in looking at that more closely because, for the most part, I think that the Seahawks passed on early downs in this game. I thought they had a game plan you guys would love, and it was surprising to me that that was something you guys were frustrated about. It sounds like maybe it was more the runs that they were calling, but it definitely early on sounded like it was just the fact that there was, that there was an impression that they were running on second down a lot. And I don't think that that's actually the case. Um, and if you compare this game to Dallas last year, I mean, Evan, that game broke you. Oh, it destroyed me. <laughs> I mean, compare this play calling to that play calling. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it's better. Um, and I'm actually, and I'm looking actually at the game summary posted on Twitter right now. So I'm seeing on early downs. Okay. So first and second down, just to clarify for anybody listening, they rushed the ball 18 times. 
and they passed the ball 24 times. And I'm not disputing anything you said. That's just so we have that info. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. By the way, um, just coming out now, uh, the Green Bay Packers are early three and a half to four point favorites over the Seahawks. That's little. That's small. So as a comparison, the Seahawks were one and a half point favorites in this game. Usually the home team gets three points just for being home. So that means they're pretty much even. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let me get to the super chat piece here. Keith Stone, thank you for your donation. Really appreciate it. Um, He's asking, should I go to Green Bay? It's like a two hour drive from home that they lost when I went to the Baltimore home game. I don't know what. Oh, the Baltimore. The one I went to. The one one I went to. Uh, what do you guys think? How, how, like, I mean, assuming Keith is asking because he wants to know whether at least it's going to be a good game. And if the Seahawks have a chance to win, what's your initial impression? Um, Evan, how do you feel about the Seahawks chances in this game against the Packers? Yeah. Um, I'm most intimidated by Lambeau field just because historically the Seahawks haven't had success there. Um, I think current, uh weather forecast actually looks like there will not be precipitation it will be a 10 percent chance of precipitation so snow or rain on sunday that is good news because russell wilson in this offense plays really bad in the rain it artificially limits them um so i'm worried about the environment it's a hostile environment but i'm not that afraid of this packers team aaron Rodgers was like a pro bowl alternate or whatever but has had like a really really bad year he's been the worst part of their offense like the mvp of their offense has easily been aaron jones um aaron Rodgers, it basically the the other aaron of the offense aaron Rodgers has been a complete liability for them all year long they have Devonte adams but after that they basically have nobody at receiver so they're not confident in them it's really the packers defense that has been uh their strong point throughout the year there's you know they're, they're the strong part of their team so um this seahawks team they, you know, this is, this is Pete Carroll standard. We play to the level of our opponent for better or for worse. We can beat anybody. We can lose to anybody. And I truly believe that is true for this team. Uh, if you live two hours away, I, I actually just pulled up tickets real quick to see how much they look like. You could get upper bill, upper bowl tickets with fees for like 240 a pop, which if oh, you're used to see If you have not see. been to a Packers game, you gotta go. Lambo's awesome. I've been there. I was, uh, admittedly, I was there during the like late summer, so it was nice and seventy degrees, yeah. and the pregame, the, the tailgating was great. It's just a great place to watch a football game. We had a lot of fun, even though the Seahawks lost that game. To see a playoff game there, I mean, I think um, that's that's something that if you have the ability to do it, that's a memory you're gonna always have. So I definitely would. What what airport do you fly into? Usually in Milwaukee. Okay. And that's like an hour away from a couple hours. Oh, wow. So you got to fly. Okay. And then drive over. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's not easy to get to green Bay. Yeah. I've been, I went there. I went there in the summer too once. Um, I'll say this. They are the nicest fans to opponents of any stadium you'll go to. That's like Packers fans thing. Um, they're just a very, like overall, they treat the opponents very differently than like, San Francisco fans. I like, I don't love going to road games personally. I prefer to watch on TV. I, it's going to be another NBC game, but if you're two hours away and you can get tickets 
it just to me it all depends on what the temperature will be if you're going to be in like ice cold conditions i'd rather sit on my warm couch and watch replays <laughs> but if it's like doable and you can get tickets for a good price it's a pretty hard experience to pass up evan broke down the packers pretty well they're kind of like the seahawks like long lost cousins this year like their point differential is terrible they have parts of their team that don't make any sense they should not have been like an 11 or 12 win team whatever they were they should have lost to like detroit twice this year they had to like edge by their like fifth string quarterback in the last game to even get a bye. they're a weird team that like and if you look at their advanced metrics they don't look like they're like a nine win team based on like pythagorean wins or whatever that's called but they have some very good defensive players that the opposite of the Seahawks is their quarterback hasn't been playing well and their pass rush has been very good, but they're one of those teams that's not as good as their record and they're beatable. Like David Blau almost beat them to steal their bye. But yeah, if you can go to Lambeau field, it's two hour drive and you don't have to fly into Milwaukee. I think you got to do that. And Keith said he's doing it. So good on you, Keith. Um, Enjoy. And look, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed my time going to the, to Lambeau, great place to watch a game. And uh, the fans are pretty funny. Um, so we, we had a good time, but look, the, the, the Seahawks, um, uh, as I'm looking through here, there's some folks that are asking about Al Woods and whether he's coming back. It's uh, one more game. So he was a four game suspension. He the Seahawks have now played three games. If the Seahawks can get by the Packers, they would regain Al Woods. And, and you know, it's crazy. The Seahawks could host the NFC Championship. Tell us, Jeff, how would that happen? And we're going to know. We're going to know. They, the first game of next weekend is Minnesota at San Francisco. Minnesota won at New Orleans today, which I didn't give them any chance of winning. I yeah. gave them zero. I thought New Orleans was going to run through the NFC. I truly did. And if Minnesota can pull off a win in San Francisco, which seems crazy, let's be honest, but they won today, so – it's possible. And if the Seahawks win next week, the Seahawks are hosting the NFC championship. Yeah. You guys, I'm sorry to jump in real quick. Can you guys believe the saints lost today? That's no. crazy. No, like, Brian, remember, the like, yeah. Like entering the playoffs, Brian, you were like, they might be the best NFC team. And I'm not disputing that. I would say, I would get more specific and say, I think they're the worst matchup for the Seahawks um in the nfc assuming they were still around that was the one team i was having a really hard time envisioning the seahawks beating they're gonna have to play in new orleans and given the state of this defense i was just like i don't know how drew Brees isn't gonna put up like 35 40 points on this defense and it's just hard to imagine the seahawks playing well enough to win that game the vikings their their defensive line dominated that game and that's a good like that's a good saints offensive line you know who doesn't have a good pass protecting offensive line san francisco 49ers Mm. 49ers have been giving up sacks over and over again of late Uh, you know i i I think that the the i don't know what the line is if you guys want to look it up i'm guessing the 49ers are probably six points favorites or so um 49ers should win that game going away um i think um but would it shock me if the vikings hit the crap out of jimmy garoppolo the jimmy Jimmy turnovers that we've seen so often and something silly happens in that game 
Wouldn't shock me. You know what else wouldn't shock me is if this ridiculous Seahawks team, and it's a ridiculous team. Let's just be all be honest about that. If their path to the Super Bowl was beating the Eagles, the Packers, and the Vikings, that nothing would make more sense in this season <laughs> than that being the path to the Super Bowl for this Seahawks team. Jacob Hollister going down at the one yard line could be the best thing that ever happened to the Seahawks. <laughs> I think I, 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 Josh Cashman, I think absolutely nailed it. Remember the Jack Sparrow like scene where in like the very first movie where he's jumping off and landing on the dock from the boat and it's like sinking and he takes his final step on the dock. It's kind of what the Seahawks team is. <laughs> if the Seahawks win that game last week, they got to play home to Minnesota, which last week I thought was pretty easy, but who knows? And then they would have had to play at new Orleans. And then if they won, they would have had to play at San Francisco. This yeah. path is way better. Do you think that this Seahawks team would have beaten that Vikings team today if they had played at home against them? No. I don't think so. No. No. It's hard it, it's it's hard There's, to say. I I will say for sure I would have felt less confident about the ability to win that game than about how this if they played the exact same way. You know, look, I I, I think um that Vikings team really showed up today defensively. They looked really good and they had Dalvin cook running. Well, uh, I think find a way to win one more game and you're almost certain to get Dwayne Brown back. He may be back this week. I, I don't know. Um, but you'll definitely would get Al woods back. People are like, ah, who cares? Al woods? he matters. He, he matters. And, and so who knows who knows with this team? So, um, any, <laughs> what do you guys think? Just preview a little bit for the Packers game. Um, what you guys know, the Packers, what do you feel best about going into that game? And what do you feel most concerned about? Let's start with you, Evan. I'm actually going to bounce it to Jeff while I pull up some stats real quick. All right, go for it, Jeff. Um, I'll say what I'm worried about the most is the Seahawks ability to contain Aaron Jones. Yep. They struggle in run defense. They haven't been great against running backs in the passing game. Miles Sanders had some pretty cool plays today. This guy is world's better. And um, I guess the other scary part would just be blocking Preston and Zadarius Smith. Their pass pro has been up and down all year. And blocking those guys in Lambeau Field is going to be hard. It's amazing I don't even say Aaron Rodgers anymore. Yeah, nor should you. I mean, he has not been the best part of that team. Um you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking quickly at, I mean, the, the guy that really gives me concern is Zadarius Smith. I, I think mm. they've got a, I think they've got a really dominant pass rusher in Zadarius Smith. Uh, like the Seahawks really haven't faced that much. I mean, you could say uh, Nick Bosa is, is someone that's on that list and, and they have obviously had some, some, some big pass rushers they've gone against, but you've got Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. And I think they're both over 13 sacks. I think, Zedarius Smith had like 16 on the year or something like that. So he's really good. He's like, he's like Jadavian Clowney was against the 49ers on a regular basis. Like he's, he's pretty good. But if you look at, if you look at the guys that they put in coverage, I think that's where their weakness might be. Um, and I guess we'll find out. Uh, 
maybe not. I'm looking right now at their, their grades there. Not bad. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I'm really curious. Um, the, the way the Seahawks pass protected today, you got a chance. Um, who's the guy I'm trying to look really quickly. Who's the guy that's had the biggest problem in cover? They have Kevin King. They have Jerry Alexander. Yeah. Josh Jackson. Although I don't think he plays much. Packers really haven't played one great game this whole season. What's that? Like, look, I'm just looking at the Packers like schedule. They have not played a great game all season. Well, and, you know, I think that they've had really good pass protection at the edges. I think they're the best pass protecting team in the NFL. I know Ben likes to tweet that out a lot when he talks about Aaron Rodgers. They do have a weak guard in Billy Turner. Um, and that's about it. Um, but, yeah, like, look, the, the Seahawks have tortured the Packers in the playoffs under Pete Carroll. I think if you're a Packers fan, you probably are happy to face the Seahawks, but I mean, you got to at least be a little bit concerned to see Russell Wilson walk into your seat. Oh, especially if there's no precipitation. Like, like if you're a Packers fan, do not look past this game. I will say you will probably win right now, but if Russell Wilson gets hot, he's going to teabag you. And he's gonna, and he's just gonna do dirty things to your football team's defense. That's just the reality. That's just the truth. Evan, I have to get a comment from you about their tight end. Oh, wait, what's his name? Jimmy Graham. Oh, he's not a, he's not threat. I mean, that, like I said, they have Devonte Adams, and then nobody else. Aren't you kind of looking forward to getting a little Jimmy Graham time? Or yeah, a, like a little I Andre mean, Diggs. I want a Quandre Diggs like on Gronk to the to the chest hit, but to Jimmy Graham. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, fellas. Um, oh, we got one more question in the super chat here. Thank you, Russell uh, Solberg, for it. Uh, he wants to ask, will Effetti be a starter on any roster next season? I'll take that one. Yes, and he'll be paid more than $12 million a year to do it. Mark really in Seattle. No, I hope not. Please don't sign him. No, there's no, there's a zero chance now. Zero chance. You just you you can't teach the stuff he does wrong. You can't fix that stuff. There's just in every sport you've watched or played. There's just one guy who has the lowest IQ in the sport and just makes those mistakes time and time again. Even when I played like house league sports, that's a Fetty. He's super talented, but I don't think you can fix two different online coaches, three different positions. Uh, he's the mistakes he makes is are unfixable. The reality of the positional market though, is that right tackle is like super bloated. Oh, he'll get paid. Yeah. He, yeah. Let's be clear about that. He's going to get paid mediocre right tackles are getting paid. Buko bucks, like 12, 13, $14 million a year. Trent Brown for the Raiders right tackle is like, I think at 18.5 million a year right now. So I think some team will take a shot on him and be like, he's young. He was drafted high draft status actually does matter as stupid as it is and somebody's just gonna yeah I think, like back someone like the someone like the redskins are gonna pay him like 12 million dollars a year i can see john elway doing it yeah like someone like that like he's such a perfect fit for like a six and ten team <laughs> <laughs> i love that jeff 
Um, I, you know, one last thing I got to say, unless you guys have others, but um, I got to find it really quickly. But my recollection is Seahawks Packers playoff games have almost all been classics. Um, I'm thinking back to uh, let me pull them up real quick. You've got the Matt Hasselback. Um, we'll take the ball and we're going to score game, right? Um, you've got the NFC championship game where the Seahawks came back from, you know, crazy to, to win that. Um, and then let me see. The, the other, sorry, Siri, I wasn't talking to you. Um, and then the other one, the, so two of the three games in the playoffs between the Seahawks and Packers have gone to overtime. Mm. And then the other one, they did get their asses kicked. So that wasn't really a classic. The Seahawks went out in front in that game early. I think it was like 14 nothing. 14 nothing. I remember that game. Uh, I want to say Lofa Tatupu had like a fumble recovery or an interception or something. And then it was just all Packers from there. Uh, so there was one that wasn't good. But in general, these games are, are memorable for sure. So looking forward to that. With that, fellas, I think we are going to call that a wrap. Um, really, really big uh, win for the Seahawks. Do you guys want to have one final word um, uh, and your takeaways before we, we head out? We'll start with you, Jeff. Um, overall, just a lot to be encouraged about. It's cool they want a playoff game. Uh, I really want to beat the Packers. I hate Aaron Rodgers. I saw like Aaron Nagler, one of our first show guests, just be like, they're talking about the Seahawks team as if they're a breeze. So that really irritated me. I really want to win this game more than anything. Let's go. Let's keep the season going. Evan? Yeah, enjoy the playoff victory. It's been a few years. Um, some things to be encouraged about, some things to complain about too. But overall, I think, you know, our biggest competitive edge is we have Russell Wilson at quarterback. And the Russell Wilson that showed up today in week 17 shows up next week on Sunday night. We're going to be in for a thriller. So it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add to that. Most important player on the Seahawks is Russell Wilson. No one will ever argue that. He's played two of arguably his best games of the season back-to-back. Um, he seems to have found some rhythm. He's now got two healthy targets in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett that are giving teams trouble. DK Metcalf is playing his best ball of the season. We may or may not get back our starting left tackle next next week, um, which would be a very big deal. And a number of the Seahawks defenders that have not been doing much of late looked better. And we had Quandre Diggs back this week. I think you can only expect that ankle he was playing on to feel even better next week. So, man, it's fun. It's fun that they got another week. I will tell you, it shocked me. I, I really was expecting the worst today and uh, really, really, really – happy that uh, I was wrong. So let's, uh, let's get back together this week um, for the pod previewing the Packers game. We'll get to you with the schedule for that soon. And if you haven't already, please sign up over at patreon.com slash Hawk blogger, support the show, support Ben's fund. Um, subscribe here on YouTube. We crossed the 4,000 mark on subscribers. We've doubled year over year again, which we really appreciate. You'll get notified if any cool videos get posted, not only the podcasts, but whether Will at Rain City Series or uh, Josh, Cable Thanos, post anything this week, you'll be the first to know. And 
uh, give us a, a like, a, a review on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. Uh, with that, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Go Hawks.